Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. So let's just get right into today's show here. So we're speaking with Chris Paget. You can find him at chrispaget.com. He is a speaker. He's a musician. He's an author. And here's all you really need to know about him. He converted to Catholicism in 1999, and he now has nine children. Nine children, people. <laughs> like he went from Protestant to Catholic, and he took it serious. Be fruitful and multiply, as the Catholics Don't are make known disciples. For. Yes, and then drink a lot of wine to help you parent better. No, uh, got it. So, Chris, uh, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. And I really stand for having the conversation of unity, uh, that we do not need to fight each other. Uh, we all live in God's house. We just live in different rooms, painted different colors, and we worship the same God, the same father a little differently. And the only one that wins in that divisiveness is the enemy or the devil, which is divisiveness itself. Um, and we don't want to play his game anymore. We've been doing it for 500 years. That's why look at the world, look at the world, people. Imagine if 120 million Protestants and Catholics in the United States actually pointed themselves in the same direction and took evil on. Imagine the economic influence and impact that we could have to change laws, to bring moral code back, to bring God back into our society. That was my little rant. Chris, welcome to the show. <laughs> well, you're speaking my language. Even scripture will say, right, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And unfortunately, uh, we, we are experts at pushing people away, and um, but there is such a beauty of the invitation that God offers to all of us to, to know and to be known, and that's what people are looking for and longing for, and we have the answer, and I oftentimes will say to people, why would anybody want what you've got if you don't even want what you've got? Uh, you know, we have a big opportunity and responsibility, um, and that is just loving people the way they are, and miracles happen when, that, when that's done. Yeah, for sure. So Chris, we, you're coming on this show today and uh, we want to get to know you just a little bit. And then we're going to get into a topic for the day, a theme uh, for my listeners. And you and I are going to stand for transforming the life of one listener somewhere on planet Earth. And God's going to pick that person who's listening right now, who's been praying, waiting for a breakthrough. And God's words are going to just crack through their heart and just open it up. All, like, all God needs is a crack in your heart, people. That's it. Just a little crack in this light will just push out that darkness. So Chris, take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your ministry life actually know. Well, actually, I, I think because I'm such a public person and spend a lot of time on stage and traveling 
around the world doing these ministry events, they automatically assume that I'm a, a strong extrovert, but I'm not. I'm a, I'm a pretty intense introvert. And so it takes a lot for me to, to get on the stage. And it's not that it's a persona, but it, there is, I kind of give myself permission to be a fool for Christ. And so um, I think that's a little bit different for people. I don't, I don't know that they understand that. So for example, when I get off the stage and if I'm being driven to a, a hotel or something, you know, the people that are with me want, you know, want that stage, Chris, usually. And so it can be a challenge for me sometimes to, to remain on when uh, all I really want to do is just kind of go into a little bit of a, a fetal position to regroup and to refuel because I don't try to leave much, uh, you know, in me. I leave it out on the, on the stage, if you will. So the entirety of what I want to say and have to give, I give. Um, in a lot of ways, it helps me to be, I feel a little bit more authentic um, for me personally is to, is to not hold back, but that does leave me quite exhausted. So um, I've had some funny experiences over the course of my ministry where um, <laughs> I'm in these long car rides with people who are obviously extroverts and they are wanting that stage persona. And I am just, it's, it's everything I have not to go completely bonkers, but yeah, mm. that's something that most don't know. Listen, I get you. And when I was up on stage giving talks, I felt the same thing. I would just give everything. And it's like, you're, you're, you're burning your light brightly and it's using up a lot of fuel, right? And you're letting God channel through you and speak to whoever needs to hear his words because it's his words that transform, not ours. But when you're being that way um, and occurring that way, you can run dry by the end of uh, what you're doing, by the end of serving. How do you go and refuel? Where do you go? And I know this sounds like an obvious answer, but I want to get real about it because so many of us as Christians, we don't run back to God uh, to get refueled, replenished, and we become spiritual supply pipes that run empty and then stay empty sometimes too long rather than spiritual reservoirs that are overflowing. And our overflow is what pours into people's lives. Speak to that. Right. hundred percent agree. Well, here I have a very strong uh, passion to minister to ministers because I've been doing this for so long that usually the most broken and hurt people uh, that I run into are usually those that are, that are ministering. And um, there's a benefit to that. First of all, those who are ministry doing ministry are usually the most broken. And as a result, they necessarily lean on God because they know that there's nobody else that can, that can truly meet that need. But as a result, also, they oftentimes forget that that important principle. So where I go for uh, regular ministry to me, because um, I believe in the cliche, <laughs> you can't give what you don't have. So uh, worship music is a huge uh, connection point for me. I don't know what the deal is with that, but I, I often will just play worship music. And uh, once that starts clicking, my brain starts working right. Um, I do love scripture. I've been reading scripture since I was a little tiny kid. And I think that for me, the Bible obviously inspired, God breathed, is necessary for my personal growth because I want to know the heart of God more. But this is definitely a part of me, though. I'm not interested in neurotic specifics so that I can win an argument. I want to know the person so that I can encounter other people and love them right where they are. And I think that's what this comes down to. I'm such a broken and messy person that 
if God can love someone in my mess, I know he can love others in their mess. And so my passion is ultimately evangelization where I can share with people a God that is never tired and inconvenienced by our mess. This is the great miracle to me. I'm tired and inconvenienced by my mess, but he's never inconvenienced by my mess. And in fact, every time I come to him, and I apologize, whether it's in the sacrament of reconciliation or just on my bed, Lord, I need you. I'm sorry. Uh, he never tires of that. He's never pushing me away. It's always this invitation to let me be loved. And um, that's what I am desperate for. That fires me up. The more I think on that, reflect on that, uh, read books about that, um, the more then I'm able to give. And that's the kind of cyclical reception and giving. So I think Probably for me, for the last 10, 15 years, I have focused almost exclusively on it's okay to be entirely, totally authentic because God is not afraid of that authenticity. He, he desires that. Mm. You know, an area that I struggle is that solitude with God is where I get nourished most. Solitude. Now, worship music, I like, but it's not my jam. My jam is silence. And I never knew that, right? I never knew that until God showed me that. So that's where I get nourished. Yet I forget to run back to solitude and quiet time with God to be nourished. And I stay in the noise of the world and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And then I'll get to a point where I've drifted so far away from the destination that my autopilot will kind of like kick in and be like, get back to God, get back to God. You've been down this road. Don't go there. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that. Do you forget also to run back uh, to God in the way that brings you peace and nourishment and drop all your burdens, you know, on him? Do you forget as well? And if so, uh, or if you don't, like, what do you do? that works, that helps you to remember quickly, stay in God's presence. Well, unfortunately, we're, we're, and fortunately, we're creatures of habit. So you think about it, most of us, especially as men have for decades practiced certain things that are not gonna be healthy for our, you know, fullness and well-being. Like nobody wants to suffer. So we constantly are doing things to try to avoid suffering and to convenience ourselves, satisfy ourselves. And um, I think part of this comes down to a sense, it's, it's maybe not an overt pride, but there's something inside of us, especially, I think this is inclusive of women as well, but that says, yeah, I'm gonna just figure this out on my own. I don't wanna lean on someone else. But the whole Christian faith is really an entire abandonment to the love of God. And I often think that my life is all about learning how to let God love me so then I can love others. I mean, that's the simple story ultimately. So because I'm that creature of habit, I keep having this inclination that says, God's not going to satisfy me the way that I need. He's not going to give me that peace the way that I, he certainly cannot handle my finances the way that I need them handled. So I'll take matters into my own hand. And then I'm, I'm derailed and I'm frustrated and I'm even more filled with anxiety. So what happens is the routine for me is I try to go to confession once a week. If I, if I do something in my family that is problematic, argumentative, disruptive, I apologize. Um, personally, one of the great gifts to me is my wife, where we um, 
spend a lot of time doing ministry together. We do tons of ministry for couples getting married and those who are married. And because of that, Linda and I, we spent tons of time unpacking ideas, things that the Lord is sharing to us. Why that's important is that it grounds me and it keeps me centered. You know, I love the comment, Joseph, that you were saying that you go to that silence. It's that place that you find yourself renewed. But I've probably lived for almost 30 years with no silence with the amount of children that we've had. So in some ways, traveling and doing ministry is that moment of silence for me. But the rubber meets the road the moment I walk in the door and there are my kids and my, you know, my wife and, and I have to continue to be that gift to them. So the lack of silence in those moments can be very profoundly Christ present to me. And it's this balance of, you know what it is ultimately, I think it's because I'm very similar in that idea of, I need that solace to hear God's voice. I think we all do. That's the Elisha stories in the still small voice, but it's learning how to have that oasis within us in the midst of chaos. I think that's the secret. So the, my question to you then is, because this is a very different idea you're raising, is many of us wait for that moment of silence and solitude where we can really connect with God, with our maker, but our lives are noisy and busy and we don't make time. We don't prioritize our schedules to block out that God time to go get nourished and refreshed. So we run on empty constantly because lack of priorities, etc., And we only think we can experience God uh, his presence in the silence, in the solitude. So my question to you is, are you saying that we should and could bring God into the noise of our life? Well, we have to, absolutely. That's a necessity. Otherwise, here's what this comes down to. This is a major principle for me. We all have a preconceived idea of what we think spirituality looks like, of what we think the idealized Christian version of ourselves is going to be. This idealized version is a catastrophe, though, often, because God's, if you will, idealized version for us meets us in our authenticity. And our authenticity is usually we are in shambles. You know, we're broken. We're hurting. We're longing for more. We're needing that purpose. And what happens is the moment we can acknowledge that mess and that brokenness, we give God permission to come to the reality of who we are. When that happens, then preconceived ideas can go. And then we let God minister to us in our authenticity. So some people have a super type A personality. They love lists. They're very organized. They have a regiment to their scripture study to their prayer life that for other people would be a catastrophic experience because for them they feel almost enslaved by such specificity so part of this comes down to the reality of who are you and and then it's letting god meet you in the reality that is you so i think what i'm saying is that there are moments where it's loud and it's crazy and it's chaos. I cannot wait until I have silence before I let God in and love me. I have to figure out this way to walk in a scriptural walk in the spirit, right? And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Ultimately, when we Galatians 5, 16, like we walk in that spirit, we let the Holy Spirit work in us. Then you can have a, almost like a, a, a place of retreat authors that speak to this there's a famous book the practice of the presence of god by brother lawrence um even in my protestant experience i was exposed to him and really enjoyed him i love henry nowen he's a perfect example of someone who will write about the mess of our life and find christ in that mess um jacques philippe is a huge power hitter for me as of late and um his writings have been massively important so listen by uh, the the 
bookshelf behind you. I cannot <laughs> tell that you like to read or that you are well read, sir. Well, I have a problem. There is no doubt. Somebody just told me a monastery is giving away books in my area and I said, I'll take them all. So I might need, my wife might actually need uh, me to get counseling and therapy soon. There's something well, you may just have to move into the monastery and just you know, <laughs> have room for the books. So Chris, what do you struggle with as far as a question uh, around faith, around uh, relationship with God? Like what's the biggest area that you struggle with? If you could just be vulnerable with the rest of us that are also broken and have our own struggles and we're human and that's why we need God. Like what, what's that main question you struggle with? I th yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it's hard to articulate this, but it has to do with self-worth and um, I don't, I mean, you know, my parents were divorced when I was a kid. I'm not sure I can pinpoint where this happens, you know, playground experiences, f feeling like you're never going to be picked in the top tier, um, you know, missing, a, I don't know, uh, the, the attention of a coach, a teacher. There's always something that, that triggers that for people where I learned it. I'm not sure, but I think it's this, it, it, it's a propensity to uh, devalue or minimize the impact or to not see the the beauty of of who I am I can see the beauty of who others are very well and very clear and their their mess is nothing to me it doesn't bother me um you know I can see the beauty of who they are even if they're an addict or you know whatever but boy it is hard to look in that mirror and and find you know uh, reason to have affection for that that Chris Paget that I know why and is that I think what's different between you and them well, that is the, that is the logically there, you know, I understand there there isn't a difference there, but emotionally, and I think that's what I'm saying. I don't know where we learn these kind of principles. I think Brene Brown will touch on stuff like that. And it's this idea of um, uh, a lack of self-worth, a lack of, uh, I mean, maybe it's, it's uh, again, it's back for me. It's this idea of preconceived ideas. I have a preconceived idea of what it is that I should be doing, shouldn't be doing. If I struggle in that area, then, you know, I'm, I feel like, oh, that's the worst thing ever. Mm -hmm. And yet I think the Lord has been really teaching me for these years. Um, it's, you know, this is it, you know, while you were yet sinners, I died for you. I mean, that's, that's the message in a, in a nutshell, right? That God loves us, but letting him love me, that's the challenge. And I don't, I don't know what that's about. Um, when we all have this little this little or big area that is hard to almost define and articulate. My wife has a phrase that's very helpful. She says, what lie are you believing? So that's the question. And, and when, you, when you mess with that phrase, what lie are you believing? That helps to center you because uh, if you're a person who's ruled by your emotions, then you're in trouble. So it's this <laughs> weird balance of allowing yourself that sensitivity the connection with the emotions, but letting your rationale and just this deeper understanding of who God is dictate where your emotions are going to go. And that is a tightrope. That's a little bit of a balancing act. Some days are better than others. So thank you for that. And BC Nation, that, what a great question from Chris's wife. What lie are you believing right now? There's God's truth about you, about who he is, about who you are, about his plans for you. They're good. He has a good future for you. Yet we don't live this way, do we? There's lies we're believing that show up in our life. And we look at our lives and we're like, wait a second. If I truly believed, like I really believed in my heart of hearts that God loved me, that I was worthy of God's love, 
not in a theological way. Obviously, he's infinite. We're finite. But that he chose me, so therefore, I am worthy of his love. Like, imagine how we would live different. Like, if you truly believe that you are loved and protected by a good father who, by the way, runs the entire universe and holds it in the palm of his hand. Like, what risk would you take? What boldness would you show up with in your life that you don't currently show up with? Like, what a different way of living. And Chris, speaking to that, I, I've been just absolutely fascinated the past uh, week or two. Uh, God's put it on my heart. And I have a gentleman coming on my show, Perry Marshall. You may have heard of him. He's quite famous, perrymarshall.com. Um, and he's coming on in a week or two. And he just wrote a new book, uh, Memos from the Head Office. And uh, he speaks about that quiet time with God and hearing God's voice. And uh, he meets people wherever they are, regardless of their faith or denomination, um, that they're all children of God. And God wants to speak to each of us and tell us about the little details of our life. He's actually concerned about the details of our life. We think we only can go to him with these big, you know, crises in our lives when in fact, he wants to tell us about our little daughter and what to do about that argument yesterday <laughs> that we had with, with her. Uh, my question to you is, how do you hear from God specifically his voice? Where do you go and, and hear him? Um, what do you hear when you hear him? And is it possible how did you learn that? How did you learn that 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 skill set, that spiritual discipline of sorts? I have a joke that I say. I can um, sit with my wife. I've been with my wife so long. I can sit in the same room with her and not say a word and still know I've done something wrong. Right. It's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> Every man but, just put his hand up listening to the show. So the funny thing about that is when you are with someone, uh, you know, they're they're you know, who they are, you know, their cadence, you know, um, these little things about them, you know, when they're upset, you know, when they're happy, that um, don't even have to be articulated with words. And I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but there's something about that, especially the more a person gets to know the Lord uh, uh, in that personal way, letting them love you in that brokenness, letting them love you when you feel unlovable. The more that that happens, the more that you begin to learn a little of his voice. So let me kind of back up. Because I, I, was, I was raised by a single mother who was very intent on taking me to church. So as a young boy, I began to learn a basic moral structure, learned the scriptures, heard messages. Um, you begin to understand the voice of God a little bit through the people that are around you, what they teach you about God. And then when you start reading the scriptures, because they're alive, inspired, you have the opportunity to hear a little bit more from God. Here is the struggle, is that a lot of times we wonder, is that God speaking to me or is that me? speaking to me? Um, and what if my denominational background is a little bit dysfunctional? Or what if I learn things that I don't believe anymore? Um, you know, and there's these feelings of who am I really? Where am I? You know, what, what does God have to say in all of this? So here are a few rules that I use to help me discern. And this is really what it is. We're talking about discernment. First, there's, of course, a great teacher on discernment, St. Ignatius of Loyola, who put together rules, if you will, of consolation and desolation. This is part of the discernment process. Just looking at those alone will be a great gift. But for most of you, it's, it's, um, it's going to work a little bit easier like this. If it's in contradiction to sacred scripture, you know that that's not going to be the voice of the Lord. For me as a Catholic, if, if it's going in direct opposition and contradiction to what the church is you know, dogmatically saying, I know that I'm not going to hold to that. So I 
I might have a warm, fuzzy feeling an emotional, you know, kind of connection to something. But at the end of the day, like, like, let's let's use a real practical example here that many people may have experienced. Maybe you see someone, they look beautiful. You think I have this affection for them. It must be that the Lord wants me to leave my wife to go be with that person. Well, of course, we know that that's wrong. Scripturally, we know that that's wrong ecclesially. So it doesn't matter if I'm having an emotional connection. That's not God saying to me, leave your wife, go to that person. That's just not going to happen. But there are oftentimes things that might be simple, like, should I, you know, whatever, invest in this particular stock? Should I change jobs and go into this particular path? And I told my kids, and I've likened this in talks to a playground experience. So this is what I would say to people. We had a playground that was right across the street from our house. And my kids would come up to me and they would say, can I go to the playground? If they're older, I would say to them, of course, go over to the playground. If there's a little one who wants to go, I say, get an older brother to walk you across the street or sister. So they go across the street and they play. Now, how odd would it be if I'm over there with them and they come up to me and there's this panic in their mind that says something like, I don't know what I should do. What should I be on? Should I go on the slide? A lot of people look like they're having fun on the slide, dad. Should I be on the slide? But everybody over there on the swing set's laughing and they're having fun. Maybe I should do a swing set, but everybody's playing football over there. So maybe I should do that. And there's this kind of panic, disquiet. What should I do? And I would look at my child and I would say, why don't you do what you want to do? What do you want to do right now? Go on the slide. If you don't like that, then go on the swing set. When it comes to discernment, for me as a father, I look at my children and I say, here are the many different options. What do you want to do? And they have certain things that they'll be drawn to. Do you like this? Do you not like that? When it comes to hearing the voice of God, it's a little bit like that. My wife and I, when we make decisions and we make them together, that's the big secret here. When we make our decisions together, then there's no one to blame if the things don't work out the way that we wanted them to. And we celebrate together when they do work out well. Well, how do I know that's God saying this? Well, because my avenue for sanctity is connected to my sacramental marriage. So the thing about a person who's trying to discern the voice of God, one, it's going to take time, it's familiarity, it's friendship. Two, it's scripture, it's tradition, it's authorities, it's a good circle of friends to help you. Three, you look for giants in the discernment field. And four, God speaks to you in a way that's natural to who you are, to what you like. Those are my little barriers of the who, what, why, where, when. <laughs> I like it. What has been the most disrupted, disruptive thing that God has ever said to you? that shifted the course of uh, the trajectory of your life? Well, certainly becoming Catholic. I mean, that, that was not on my to-do list, just so you know. That was a major life change. That being said, uh, there's far more collaboration, interaction between Catholics and Protestants now than, than maybe ever before, thanks be to God. But back then, uh, you know, I was putting the career on the line um, because as a public you know, minister and doing music ministry around the, the country and the world, you know, that circle was not excited about people becoming Catholic back then. Uh, my family member, a very close family member said, you becoming Catholic is the most hurtful thing you've ever done to me. So it, it, there was a lot of dis disruption. Thanks be to God. There were many people who loved us, period, no matter what. And I have great friends who are pastors in Protestant churches. Um, we interact with, together a lot. And then the other thing would certainly, I mean, I think for me, uh, was this idea of leaving the band when I was part of a Christian band. At some point, I knew that I was not supposed to do that anymore. And a person came into my life and they said, a simple question, they say, Chris, uh, God is going to bless you whether you stay with the band or not. He's already blessed you. He'll continue to bless you if you stay there. The question is, do you think that God still wants you to, to do the band? Like, should you be doing that? And I remember immediately just thinking, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm supposed to be doing something else. And that was a hard transition 
And uh, this is the cool thing about those moments that God is patient with us as we try to put feet to that invitation. And I think sometimes we're, we imagine that everything should happen immediately, spontaneously, almost that there's no connection feelings. There can be a lot of hurt and a lot of struggle. And again, we're back to abandonment, just trusting God for these moments. Thank you for that. And, and I agree. Uh, intentional abandonment is completely different than just abandonment, right? <laughs> so being intentional, saying I'm going to abandon myself to God's will. God, you lead my life. You rule my life. At the same time, doing it in a healthy way. And I really like the example of the playground. And I think a lot of my listeners connected right there with that because it doesn't make sense. It's almost dysfunctional way of thinking the way we show up with God, the way a child would show up at a playground and be like, dad, what do I do? What do I get on? What do I not get on? And we have all this anxiousness, this anxiety, uh, this trepidation about making a mistake making the wrong move, choosing the wrong option, the wrong possibility. And so many of us as Christians, believers, Protestants, Catholics, regardless of denomination, this is how we show up with God is like that little child frantic on the playground. God, what do I do next? What do I do? I'm not moving. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to make a wrong decision. I don't want to make a mistake. And God's like, just relax, go have fun. I got you. Come back to me when you get hurt. Come back to me when you have a big decision to make. No, I'm right here. I'm watching you. I'm holding you. I'm protecting you. As long as you come back to me, we're good. We're good. Just come back and check in, but go have fun. Live life and live it abundantly. So Chris, thank you for uh, sharing that. That was a beautiful uh, picture uh, for us to look at. We're about to head into my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. The confession round, I'm going to ask you three quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? <laughs> yep. All right. And uh, BC Nation, we're speaking with Chris Paget. You can find him at chrispaget.com. He's a speaker, a musician, an author, and just an all-around fun, likable guy. I like him. You like him? All right, let's go. Here we go. Chris, what's your favorite thing about God? He loves me. Yeah, that's a good thing. What's your least favorite thing about God? His expectations are a lot greater than, than my understanding sometimes. Yeah. What are he's you most patient. Yeah, he's patient. What are you most afraid of? Going to hell. Got it. <laughs> Sin. That's pretty direct. <laughs> I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? I'm too, I'm too fat. I, I'm eating too much, man. Just too, I love ice cream and I love beer. These are not helpful for my physique. I'm resembling a ball. You know? Okay. So like real question. Have semester. you been blaming it on COVID or are you taking personal <laughs> responsibility here? No, funny enough. I mean, not to be weird, but I live on a, a lot of land because I'm in the middle of nowhere. And so I got to go out and exercise. So I can't, there's no COVID blaming there. I'm, I mean, I worked hard on my farm and but you no, know, it's it's those it's it's portion control, baby. I have lit. I don't know what the deal is. I do not have. You have a metabolism. I can see that. I'm pretty sure I ate my metabolism. I'm in my second trimester. This is ridiculous. I'm Listen, having some issues. Just, true story. This is your confession round, but I'm gonna get vulnerable because you were like I put on. Uh, I was starting to resemble a dad bod, and I made a commitment to my wife before we got married that I would never have a dad bod. That was my commitment part of the marriage. And, and I asked the same for her, never to just let her body just go. And we made that commitment to each other. And I started to see, I was living this sedentary lifestyle. I'm at my computer seven hours a day. And I'm like, this isn't working. So I had to lose some weight. 
And praise God, I lost 22 pounds around the midsection, that visceral fat, that men, just stubborn fat. I did that in two weeks, praise God, right? So now I'm in maintenance, keeping it off, doing the portion control, like you said. Speaking of which, what's the next question? What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Oh, boy. Um, working. Working, definitely. I Again, we have this farm. And I mean, I, I worked my tail off outside. But that's just life here. So That sounds like exercise to me. Well, it, it, yeah, I lost a lot of weight, actually. And now I think I'm finding it. But, but well, yeah. Go tend I, the farm, I, sir. I think the truth is, and my wife and I would admit this, I think we're probably workaholics. We, we definitely, we, we are very obsessive. Like we're, we're launching this marriage ministry. And uh, honestly, the amount of effort that we're putting into the video content that we're creating. And um, so we, it's almost impossible for us to shut it off. And um, I have family that's visiting. It is so hard for me not to, not to just dis like like disregard them and go do work it takes everything i have not to not to so do real so question to it. you would you say right now if you were just being totally honest that you're putting an unhealthy amount of of work into this good ministry no not yet i think that uh, that's just an overall look at the last year i think okay. that i think that we have done a little bit more of a disconnect from social media that's kind of brought a lot of peace to us and nice. so we're focusing more on on what it is that we're called to do. I like that what you said just in our little personal uh, chat that you find the things that you're supposed to be focusing on. That's what you're zoning in on and whatever is not that way, you're not. And I think that that's been our big discernment this year. What are we spending a lot of time doing that we don't need to be doing? And that has been bringing a lot of peace. Awesome. What secret fear do you have about people? Oh, that they, that they're going to, that they don't like me, that they're not going to like me. Yeah, but I like you and all my listeners like you. So there's your evidence. So stop. I know. Thank you. You're yeah, welcome. I appreciate that. Absolutely. <laughs> what, do you, what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? Uh, yeah, that again, that, that he, that he loves me, period, that he is all in. I love that though. Some of these worship songs that like, he's for you, not against you. That, I don't know what the deal is. That clicks with my brain. I like what you just said there, that God loves me, period. And so many of us get into trouble because we, we make the statement, the declaration to ourselves: God loves me if dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Right. And we got to put a period there. God loves me because, because God loves me. That's it. Exactly. What's a new habit you want to create in your life? Consistency. <laughs> yeah. Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break? Yeah. I think maybe it's the, uh, it's the, 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 the evening eating. That's probably the bad habit I got to break. Yeah. Once you're over 40, it just doesn't work anymore. Pick three words to describe who you are now. Uh, yeah. Uh, rough, reflective, um, uh, probably sensitive and funny. Those would probably work. It's a nice combination. Pick three words to describe who you were before. Uh, you completely abandon yourself to God loves you, period. Anxious, uh, selfish, unhappy. Yeah. And last question. If you could come back to life, Chris, after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice about everything, life, death, God, relationship, business, what would you say to them? Um, I don't know. I, I think I would just keep telling them I love you. I would want them to know that that I love them and I'm praying for them and I think that would probably 
that it's it is it's as good as we thought and better you know this so, thing so pretty much that. what god's been trying to tell you and i for like our whole lives <laughs> yeah again i i, I don't want to sound crazy but I, I think if we just get that one message we're gonna be we're gonna be okay you know all right bc nation that's that's your one message god loves you period <laughs> and uh any final wisdom chris what's the one thing you want my listener to know about just being loved by god and just seeking that relationship with him I think this is my my real encouragement to the people out there is that it's it is our propensity and tendency to want to try to show God that we love him by doing but it's really about just being with him and the doing will flow from that being and so just abandoning yourself to that that he's trustworthy that you can just be with him it's that Mary Martha you know kind of tension that we often are struggling with so Many Martha days, but we have to have Mary days as well. All right, BC Nation, you've been listening to Chris Paget, And today we've really been talking about, if I could put in just a simple words, can we bring God into the mess of our lives? And your answer is yes. And yes. he's waiting for you to do exactly that. <laughs> so Chris, uh, how does BC Nation find you? What do you got for them? There are uh, just two Simple, three simple places. One is if you go to YouTube and you type in Happy Place Homestead, the YouTube channel is our little family farming channel. There's lots of good stuff there, funny moments. We did a show, a reality show about a year and a half ago that has some pretty powerful episodes, especially the Sarah episode where we talk about our daughter who um, had gotten pregnant and that journey. Very profound. So Happy Place Homestead. The other is, of course, what uh, you've been hearing, chrispadgett.com. You can go there for the ministry. And finally, chrisandlindapaget.com. That is going to have all of the information for the Center for Holy Marriage, all of this marriage and family work that we do. And that is so exciting because we have tons of video content going up for people who've been married for five years, five months, 50 years, you name it. There's going to be content there for you. So we want marriages to, to win, you know, to thrive, to, to not just make it by the skin of their teeth. And that's our, that's our big passion. Amen. We got to take territory back from the enemy, especially in the vocation of marriage. All right, BC Nation, you heard Chris. Go find out more about him. Get involved in his world. Let him into your world. And Chris, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. 
If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids, we lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.